This is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episode. In this episode, we talk about Jeff's not predictions coming true, but only in the sense that he totally didn't actually predict anything at all, Girl Boss Eowyn going home to make a sandwich, Celeborn's Alpha Energy, writing fantasy that is connected to reality, how incredibly important educational choice is for liberty, and what we're going to be reading next. Enjoy. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Ioan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Prince of No More Door, where the shadows tell the truth. (laughs) (sighs) Yes. uh... (laughs) (laughs) I have no response. Uh, You caught me. Sometimes you go for the laugh. Sometimes you go for the, I just don't even know what to say. Just befuddlement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you do, uh, you know, sometimes the AKAs are, are a massive success. Sometimes they're a failure. Sometimes they're even more than you ever hoped. And, uh, you know, you, you, you know, so, so sometimes you, sometimes you make it work. Um, speaking of things, uh, that you make work, um, I hear you're totally not a prediction. Uh, totally came true. So the totally not a prediction I dropped in our secret discord, which you can get to by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and paying $1 a month. Um, the uh, totally not a prediction that I made with numbers and everything in our secret discord was off by 2% which was, or what, one and a half, one and 1.6%, um, which was, which was actually enough because I, I, I projected it narrowly um, enough uh, in my totally not a prediction. It was labeled as such. The, the chart I put was <laughs> labeled, not a prediction um, was a, uh, uh, but I'd, I'd done it narrowly enough that that if I was wrong, it would be it, it would take all the ballots instead of instead of just four um, for uh, uh, for it to be decided. So I guess uh, or no, so, well, whatever. Yeah, I, I know um, you posted in the in the secret Discord which you can uh, be part of for only a low, low price of $1 a month at buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. Uh, you had posted uh, some kind of a picture of the way the ballot kind of worked out, which is a cool little flow chart thing of like how different votes moved uh, to different uh, candidates. But, but she never did get over 50%. Was it not a over 50% majority rule sort of thing? Was it? Oh, like a- well, no, she did. She got, um, uh, she got 51 or no, no, it ended up, no, it ended up being 55, 45, which I also, uh, had, had said not in the chat, um, that if it did go to the final ballot, it would be 55, 45. Then it was basically, it was basically, I, I think it might've been 54 and a half, 45 and a half, um, uh, on the, on the final ballot. I can, um. I can actually check those numbers. 
I have the technology. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so there, there's, um, uh, so she did, but it took her the, it, and sorry, <laughs> I don't think we've said Danielle Smith is the premier of Alberta or oh, the premier. Designated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they, so the, the, the person that we've mentioned who was running on the sovereignty act, which uh, originated, um, in the think tank that I work for, um, who, uh, uh, so working, working towards more, more autonomy, more, um, uh, laying, laying the groundwork for, um, either a successful Alberta within Canada or Alberta secession, which I think is more likely, um, uh, in the long term, I think Alberta secession is more likely. Um, uh, uh, but anyway, there's so so that she was running on the sovereignty act. So we've talked about this a lot. Um, I said to Josh before we started, we don't have to do the big pundit. What does this mean? Because we've been doing it for like six months. Uh, we've been <laughs> talking about <laughs> uh, talking about the sovereignty act for for like six. I've, we, as in my think tank, has been talking about it for just over a year. Um, but uh, but we, as in this podcast, have been talking about it for I think six months. Uh, or, uh, well, no, I guess I guess since the race started, which is just uh, May, so it hasn't it hasn't actually been that long, I guess. But um, but I think I remember I think I remember talking about it when in the same show that Paul was on our show. Uh, which was I was in a hotel in Edmonton when we recorded that. Um, so if I'm recalling correctly, I think I think I think that was when it first came up way back way back in May. Uh, but I could I could have that wrong. But anyway, so we've been we've been talking about what this would mean. Anyway, sorry, blazed over that point. Danielle Smith won, um, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and uh, yeah, so. Because it was just a little bit closer, it only needed to be a little bit closer. <laughs> um, she needed all the ballots uh, to to roll up enough uh, roll up enough support to uh, um, to win, and um, and and sh- and she won over what I would say is the other. Um, most logical candidate like i think it was a sign of um the health of the party by the way um the most liberal candidate who who made a video about uh roe v wade going down as soon as roe v wade went down uh and was promising to codify uh, (laughs) codify roe in alberta which actually would be preferable to the status quo but whatever uh but basically that she would codify universal abortion access and whatever in alberta um and uh she's uh she's been the worst on school choice and and uh uh has said that that the curriculum that was designed needs to be thrown out because because the ata the alberta teachers association the unions need more input into the curriculum and and like so she's just been she's just been the worst across the board the most the most liberal candidate she got 1.6 percent of the vote um 
so uh that is i mean that is small enough that it might literally just be people from the other party crossing over and buying memberships to vote for her right like that's that's how that's how small it was so it was it was beautiful um the other most liberal candidate um only ended up with about three percent and and she's at least like she's liberal but she's in the typical mainstream of red tories we call them or or liberal people in the conservative parties um she's in that typical stream and 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 she only got she only got about three percent um and uh i guess i could just look at the discord where i dropped all those previous numbers but um but i i didn't get a good picture of of the screen oh because yes it, it's your your boy was in the room when the uh, when the results were being announced, uh, uh, so so that's why um, uh, that's why I was posting actual pictures of the screen in the room. But um, but I didn't uh, I didn't get a picture of that last uh, of that last screen because uh, because they just switched it to uh, like Danielle Smith wins quicker than I could get a picture of the, uh, of the vote total. Um, but, um, but anyway, so, uh, but yeah, so I would say, look, this is a, this is a sign that the, uh, uh, the party is rather healthy as conservative parties go. Um, the most, the most liberal people did the worst, uh, actually on the first ballot, I would say the person who ran the third most liberally, even though she was endorsed by Stephen Harper, uh, <laughs> uh, the most recent conservative prime minister, um, she she ran the next most liberal um, campaign, which was considerably more conservative than those other two ladies. But um, but still, she ran she ran the next most liberal campaign, and on the first ballot, at least, she did come in last. Once she rolled up just a little bit of support from the bottom two she she did jump up in front of of uh, um, of Todd Lowen the more the more uh, traditionally conservative but certainly not front running <laughs> uh, candidate so um, so she did uh, she did end up not going off. It, because of the rank ballot system she ended up not going out third but in the on the first ballot she was she was third to last and and the the two candidates that just objectively made the most sense for the party um from from any from any sort of conservative vision of of where a conservative party should go um they were the they were the two that came in one and two. So and and, and sorry, I shouldn't say like with the exception of Todd Lowen, who I think was great, uh, is great. <laughs> He's not dead. Um, and uh, so I think I think Todd Lowen is great. And, hey oh yeah yeah. <laughs> although. Although he's he's one of the people who was kicked out of caucus for opposing um, Jason Kinney and calling for Jason Kinney's resignation, and he was reinstated immediately uh, from the stage 
on the night of Daniel Smith's win, and he was at the caucus meeting the next day. The nice. the other person who was kicked out of caucus, Drew Barnes, uh, was not reinstated um, that next day, and as of our recording, still has not been. But it seems like there might be some other issues going on there. And I don't know if it, it seems like there might be conditions and I don't know whose conditions are prevailing. Um, I suspect perhaps both sides have conditions, but I'm not sure whose conditions are not uh, being met, but he should just be reinstated without conditions from either side. Um, But uh, my understanding is that perhaps both sides have conditions and perhaps both sides conditions are not being met. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so he never should have been, he never should have been kicked out of caucus. So he should be, um, so he should be reinstated without, uh, without any hoops to jump through by, by either side, I would think. But, um, but it seems uh, that there might be a holdup on both sides. So anyway, but so Todd Lowen was successful to the extent that he was reinstated into caucus, which is good. Um, he, uh, he never stopped being a member of the party because in a, a Westminster system, those are separate. Um, oh, sure. I guess, I guess, I guess even in, in, in an American style system, uh, they're technically separate, right? Because Bernie Sanders caucused with the Democrats without being a Democrat until he started running for president. Um, Right. He was never actually a Democrat until he started running for president. Then he became a Democrat. Then he joined the party. He still is. It, maybe he's not. I'm not. I'm not he sure. A way to run as a Democrat without because I remember I kept seeing independent behind his name um, on his votes, just not on his um, campaign. Interesting. So, so yeah, there, 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 there might be, there might be some sort of separation even in an American style system, but there it's a, there's a more obvious separation, I guess I'll say in, in Westminster style democracies to the, to the point that, I mean, (laughs) not in this country, but in, in other countries, people just be honest and go, yeah, that's, that's the party's position on this issue. And the caucus holds a different position than the party does. And, it, and and it's it's like okay that's pretty brazen we don't care about our grassroots but <laughs> so which is why no one really says it that way here but um I mean, but uh it's pretty obvious but they are separate enough like, that i'm sorry it's pretty obvious in places like the uk where they're they're already as oh, yeah. there aren't they already floating out no confidence in Liz trust in yeah. Liz trust like that's that's insane she just took the job yeah, well, and I explained this on, on, on Twitter, but since, unfortunately, not everyone follows you at IOANCAP, but more... Sometimes I don't even probably, follow myself. Probably many more people don't follow me at JParkYYC, uh, just judging by our, our relative follow numbers. Um, but uh, so, um, uh, since maybe not everyone follows us or has Twitter, which, good for you. If you're listening to this and you don't have Twitter... You're, you're the good sort. Um, anyway, but, uh, um, but I, so I explained this, I explained this on Twitter, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it now is that my understanding is that the, that the UK has 
um, a, a very similar system to Canada in the sense that, um, yeah, yes, I, I think they got the idea from us. No, just kidding. It was the other way around. Um, but uh, <laughs> a very similar system to Canada in, in that um, they have paid party membership. So you don't just register for a political party to vote or whatever. It's you, you have to actually buy a membership uh, to and, and, and keep and keep buying memberships. Um, uh, you have to keep renewing your membership uh, to to be a member of the party and to be able to vote in in party nominations uh, and leadership elections. But then they go the extra step of you have to have been a member before the vote of no confidence in the prime minister to vote in the leadership election that takes place after the prime minister is gone. Uh, and then that leadership election only determines the top two candidates and then caucus picks who they prefer out of the top two candidates. Um, so you have, and which by the way, if that was the system we had in Alberta, the other person would have won. The other person had 33 caucus endorsements and Danielle Smith had like seven. I don't remember. It was it was not close. Their <laughs> uh, their number of caucus endorsed and 33, 33 is more than half uh, of of the conservative uh, members. I think there are fifty eight conservative members somewhere in that range. Um, so uh, uh, so there's <laughs> uh, there's. Uh, if if that had been our system and the members were only picking the top two and then uh and then the caucus decided from there the opposite the 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 other person would have won <laughs> um so and and i bet that would be pretty frequent in our system it usually is uh well maybe not usually certainly since covid it has been like a sort of more establishmenty type person uh, finishes second. <laughs> uh, that that has been, um, and and uh, I, the federal race is maybe. Uh, you can say lots of things about Pierre Polyev, uh, um, but I mean he is fairly establishment. He just he just jumped on board the uh, trucker convoy. Uh, at just the right time, and and he just he he got he got really grassrootsy seeming <laughs> um, at just the right. But he's been this is a guy who's been practicing being prime minister in the mirror since he was twelve. It's like <laughs> it's it's uh, um, but uh, uh, so so yeah, he's definitely um, he, uh, and in fact, I mean, he almost ran in the last race, and I thought he would have been the establishment candidate in the last leadership race. Um, but then by the time this leadership race rolls around, he's already jumped on board the trucker convoy stuff. And uh, that made him a lot, made him seem a lot less establishmenty. Um, but, um, but yeah, anyway, it's um, so so that lends itself, though, to that kind of system where you have to have already been a party member. So you can't buy a membership because there's a good candidate running that you like. 
You can't buy a membership because you'd like to turn the party around now that there's a leadership. You have to have been a party member under the guy, old guy that you didn't like <laughs> um, in order to, and you'd have to have been supporting the party with your money. <laughs> and it's, it's a relatively nominal amount of money, but you have to have been supporting the party with your money in order to have a vote I suppose, in the first place. I suppose that keeps it from being like people just hopping over to the, you know, people hopping parties just to. That's right. Just to get, you know, like conservatives hopping to a, a liberal party and liberal parties hopping to a conservative party just to get their people elected. Yeah, it, I mean, it makes a sort of sense. Well, and we had this problem in 2011 where where the Alberta Teachers Association en masse bought uh, memberships into the progressive conservative party, um, one of the predecessors to the United Conservative Party. Um, they, uh, they en masse bought memberships to the progressive conservative party and elected the most liberal <laughs> candidate uh, as as the uh, and that was a that was also a race for premier it was a it was the the progressive conservatives conservatives held the balance of seats they were the government they kicked out their leader and and replaced replaced their leader with a much much more liberal uh leader in that case and that was a case of having crossovers and and uh uh and people who obviously had no interest in um in uh being contributing members to the party or anything because one of the most common stories you heard was about the uh just bulging garbage cans full of conservative party memberships outside the hall um <laughs> after the vote um, so they literally they literally just threw away their card as soon as they as soon as they had voted <laughs> for this candidate so um so anyway that's um yeah. uh so so yeah it, it, it there are there are pluses and i mean the the caucus picking in the top two i would say there's almost no plus to that i guess i guess the plus to that is you don't end up with a leader that's going to immediately have a caucus revolt like it it basically ensures that you're not going to immediately have a caucus revolt against the leader, which you can't be sure of when you're letting the party elect the leader. Um, but, um, but it's, it, there's almost not, so that that's kind of the only redeeming quality I would say to the caucus getting to pick from the top two, but yeah, there's arguments on both sides of, uh, the length of membership and, and um uh and yeah so uh and that that was one of the accusations even in this race was that um oh it's all new member it's people who who aren't conservatives and they're they're using that in the big c sense <laughs> they're not they're not they're not conservative party members they're not typical uh they're not typical party people they're just small c conservatives mm -hmm. although that's not what the accusation was the accusation was these are wackadoodles they're not even conservatives but um anyway um but 
but yeah, in reality, these are small C conservative people who just weren't interested in party politics until you locked them in their house. And then they decided to get interested. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, I, <laughs> I meet, I meet someone every week who that's their story. Yeah. Didn't care about politics, but then, but then you locked me in my house and now I've decided I care. And now I've decided I'm going to get very involved in my kid's school. Yeah, in, in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Well, and you didn't have nearly the kind of lockdown that we did. Right. So, but I think, you know, if anything, we we've always known, uh, if we can say one thing about Jason Kinney, is that he was definitely a party person. <laughs> he did. He did. He did enjoy his parties. He yeah. was definitely yeah. a party person. You can't can't doubt that. Uh... <laughs> and look, I've said I didn't mind. I've said I didn't mind the other and the other guy, frankly. Um, Travis Taves, I don't, he's not Voldemort. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I had several friends who, uh, um, who were working for him. Good guy, good, solid Christian, normal, like, uh, in terms of like, who would I want to be an elder at my church? I would pick Travis Taves over Daniel Smith, uh, 10 times out of 10. No, no question. Um, uh, and, and not just because of the uh, man versus woman thing. Uh, <laughs> even if, even if, if, if it was Daniel Smith, uh, <laughs> um, but with all the same characteristics, easy, easy. Um, the Randian objectivist um, <laughs> keep them a million miles away from my church. Um, I, but it was always hard to ignore that he was in the sky palace for the party with Jameson's while there were pastors in jail. And that was always kind of hard to ignore. And that dogged him, that dogged him. The, 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 it, in, in large measure, this campaign came down to, uh, well, sovereignty act. And that's, and that matters. It was, but, and, and it, it, it sort of took on the flavor of establishment versus grassroots. But, but really the reason for that is that both of the top two candidates came in with major obvious weaknesses. Um, Daniel Smith was the leader of the Wild Rose Party, the, the more, the, the actually conservative party when the progressive conservatives were in charge. Um, the uh, um, so she was the leader of that party, and and she actually led a floor crossing of her and all but five of the members of the legislative assembly actually crossed from the opposition. They were the official opposition to this government, and actually crossed over to the government benches. Um, while while she was leader it was disgusting it was one of the one of the worst betrayals in the history of westminster democracy mm. <laughs> it was it was it was awful it was a huge barrier to people voting for her but she handled it well 
she lied, I feel, <laughs> about how it went down. Um, but you can't deny that the answer she gave worked and that she addressed it. Uh, she addressed it well to the point that it would continue to come up every campaign stop. And most of the people in the room would, would feel like, Oh, this again, like it was just an eye rolling thing by the time, because she, she handled it well enough that anyone who still thought it was an issue was just looked like a crank. Right. Um, then, then Travis Taves biggest, uh, biggest hurdle to, to clear was he's Kenny 2.0 and that's the sky palace. That's, that's the fact that he was the finance minister for Kenny. That's, um, that's the fact that he clearly <laughs> learned how to make public speeches from Kenny. I, I made the joke that, uh, um, uh, because, because Kenny, one of Kenny's ticks is, is to just be like, to, instead of murmuring like I'm doing right now, he'll go, <laughs> he'll go, friends, let me be clear. Right. And that'll be how he sort of catches his breath to, to go on to the next thing. Uh, and you've seen this like for, and it, it becomes sort of obvious, right. for Obama, it was look, look, and, and, and the, and the same, uh, you know, most politicians have something like this. And for Kenny, it's friends. And then if he needs a second longer than that, it's let me be clear. And, and so I joked that, uh, that, uh, Travis Taves goes around saying, people always ask me, am I Kenny 2.0? And I say, friends, let me be clear. Uh, you know, just, <laughs> um, cause he really did. He really was just, he sounded like Kenny when he talked, he clearly learned how to make a speech and learned how to, <laughs> uh, and which by the way, hard to fault that Jason Kenny's one of the most talented politicians, just in terms of raw talent I've ever seen in my life. And I, I, I've seen Bill Clinton. So, uh, he doesn't match Bill Clinton, but, but, uh, uh, but he, but Jason Kinney was a just outrageously talented politician. So obviously learn from him. You can't even hold it against the guy. Um, and I, I do to an extent believe him that he was against the lockdowns against the severity of the lockdowns. Um, but just it was never enough of a priority that he would resign over it. And uh, and so so yeah, anyway, I have a lot of sympathy to him, but the but the fact of the matter is he handled his weakness poorly and Danielle handled hers well. And and that's how that's how it ended up how it ended up because that is what allows the framing of establishment versus grassroots. And, and, uh, and so, and that, and I think that's, I think that's the main reason why she, and of course the sovereignty act plays into that is that, that that's a more, that's a more grassroots seeming position. Whereas Travis, I think made a huge mistake by opposing the sovereignty act, especially as vociferously as he did. Um, 
and uh, and so uh, so anyway, and and even at that, it ended up being you know ten points, not a <laughs> not not an out mouth drubbing. So um, so anyway, uh, I said I wasn't going to go into great length about uh what this means but uh i'm not it's not really uh uh but a bit of a bit of a retrospective on this uh election that i'm sure all of our listeners are happy is over um <laughs> because we, we can stop talking about it but uh yeah um uh, if, if there's one thing we can be trusted about it's that we will not talk about the things that we say we're not going to talk about I, I, we never 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 have we ever Which is why talked about the next thing on our list is totally not Trump related. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. 100% totally not. Neither was neither was my AKA. It wasn't at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a you know, you're you're coming out of your election season. We're about to go into ours. Um and I think it, things are going to be fun. I think uh you know, there's I mean, for one thing I'm a little worried I'll just say this as an Iowan, I'm a little worried about what those um, lame ducks sitting in, in chairs that are going to go to other Republicans are going to do. Like, I don't know if they're going to get, um, you know, uh, vindictive, but you know, we'll see what's happening. We'll see what's, what, what, uh, what goes on, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so you're you're taking you're taking to the chat. I'll let Jeff do the chat. Um, so speaking of things we're not talking about, we're not talking about uh, Trop, and and technically Trop isn't named in this tweet that we're gonna dunk on, but technically, technically, technically not. Um, <laughs> but the best kind of not. <laughs> um. So so here we go. Um, we're gonna we're gonna move over to us to that screen right here, and here we go. We're we're looking at this. This is the tweet that um uh, came across my desk um in the last week, um by which I mean someone added me, um but but it says people say Lord of the Rings has gone woke. This is from some owl at the library at sketches by bows. I don't know what the heck that means, but who, he, she, it has a significant following. It's 200 some thousand followers. So apparently they're significant in some kind. I have no idea who they are and I will probably forget about them after the segment. People say the the tweet goes, the Lord of the Rings has gone woke, but in, in with, with asterisks around it, Tolkien himself had a woman secretly dressed in battle array, whip off her helmet and cry. No living man. Am I just before slaying the witch King and no one raised a word in protest. And, um, and of course they're absolutely right. And this is why I am now pro girl boss Galadriel. Um, I, I repent in dust and ashes. Um, she, 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 I mean, she's absolutely right. This did literally happen in the books. I mean, maybe not <laughs> whipping off the the uh, helmet. Um, and and it seems like maybe much is owing to the movie version of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but then I had to respond. This is my tweeted response. 
should probably although, read although the, rest the, of the book. The quote, the quote is the is the book quote. Yeah. Um. So at least he did that part right. But I responded, should probably read the rest of the books. Um. And why yeah. would I say something <laughs> like that, Jeff? <laughs> well, I mean, most obviously because she herself decides that 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 was wrong essentially that 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 it was it was better for her that maybe at best you can say at the end she thinks it's a nest it was a necessary evil but i don't think she even really thinks that is but that 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 it was better for her to um become a wife and mother to mm-hmm. wife to faramir um and uh instead of Aragorn. and instead of Aragorn and, and that, and, um, and that, yeah, that all of that, that, that all of that was her character trying to rebel against her station, her nature, her, 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 her true happiness. Um, and, and, uh, and then, and, Tolkien rewards her for that decision by her having several children. I don't remember how many, but, <laughs> but you, you'll notice this in Tolkien um, that, uh, that one of the ways he shows favor to characters is by them having a lot of children. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Um, and, and, and there's sort of a, Okay, so and, and you know to hop over to the opposite. I mean, you do have some good characters who, who die childless or or of course jo- die childless. Um, they pass off into the West childless, um, notably Bilbo and Frodo, and um, but they do so. Um, the clear theme of that is some people have to abandon the good life in order yes. to save the good life for others, and that kind of ends up being kind of. A theme, I think, a running theme among Bilbo and Frodo, and really in that way, yes. while it's not strictly allegory, uh, um, is a somewhat allegorization of what happens the, with the great soldiers and warriors of, and, and even in his own day, the people who go to war, they go off to fight for the people who um, want just the good life of peace, and they fight to preserve it, even though they. Uh, are are in some ways ruined for it, and uh, but but that's a whole other thing, really. Well, especially I, well, maybe not especially. Maybe it is both of them, but but uh, Frodo, it's like it, it, it's like he is damaged. Yes, physically, mentally, spiritually. Yes, damaged, and and only going to Valinor yeah. could even potentially heal that. It's yeah. left. Of course, Valinor is elf heaven, so... Well, it's really we can... closer to Eden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I mean, yeah. very notably, you have to go east to get to Middle-earth. Yes. It's all... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it is... It, yeah. It, uh, so, um, the, it, one of the re- reasons I, I put it that way is just that yeah, it's not where a hobbit would typically go. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And really he <laughs> um, only is allowed in there because of his being a ring bearer. 
Right. Like the the um uh yeah, like the the ring bearers are the only ones allowed in um to to apart from the elves into um Eden. But part of that is because that makes them damaged and yes. and the only possible hope of healing yes. is to go to Valinor. Yeah, and, and and that's like that's part of his Christ figuring in, in Frodo and Bilbo. And so that's why, like, you know, you ask who's, you know, uh, who's the Christ figure uh, or uh, can you point out the Christ figure in the Lord of the Rings? And you have to answer which one. Like there's there's so many Christ figures in the story. And that's his Christ figuration is that he is wounded, a grievous wound that cannot be healed. Um, And so and that's that's just part of his. And he takes that on him on behalf of the world. You know, like like that's but um. But anyway, like, but, but really, um, what we're talking about with, 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 uh, okay. So there's this theme that we talk a lot about, uh, the, um, you catastrophe. This is an essential mm-hmm. theme for understanding anything in Lord of the Rings is you catastrophe. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's a bit like, you know, election in the Bible, but uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say chiasms once you go to seminary. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. But you catastrophes, <laughs> you see them everywhere that things go. And really like the, the way I always describe it is that things always go wrong in the best way possible. Yeah. Like that, that things happen that cause everything to go wrong. And if it had not gone wrong, something would not go better later. Like you think about the fact right. that. Um, the dwarves leave the t- the the path in Mirkwood. Well, had they not right. left the path, they might have gone all the way to uh to the mountain. The lonely mountain. And then what would have happened when the uh when the orcs come? They would have been completely caught off guard and com- completely defeated. And um. Or even when the, when the the men of the you know like, with the men of the lake might have come forward after defeating Smaug, but they're not going to. Uh, are they going to hold off all the orcs? No, the elves have to be there, and so for the elves to be there, the dwarves have to make the grievous mistake of leaving the 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 uh, leaving the path of almost getting eaten by by spiders and then captured by the elf king and his people. Um, like that all has to happen so that the elves are at the mountain to fight the, the battle of five armies. Like that's, that's one of the best examples I think of you catastrophe or, or another one is, uh, Bilbo fall. It, the, the dwarves are chased by orcs and Bilbo falls off the shoulders of, of whoever's carrying him. And so as a result, he catch, he finds the ring. Like that's a you catastrophe. That's a good thing that comes out of a bad thing. Things going wrong in the best way possible. Well, even even the even the goblins sneaking up on them in the cave, having the having the crack in the cave. Yeah. Um, it, it that stumped even right. Gandalf as to how that happened. Um, uh, yeah. It, it said, and starting starting that whole process in the first place. Um, and like without that, no ring, no, no possibility of success. 
yeah. in the story. And also it cuts down and ends or, up, they say they make the comment that it cuts down on their on their travel by quite a bit too. They actually get across the mountain faster yeah. because they are ambushed by the 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 goblins. Yeah. But, yeah. But these I are think everywhere. Yeah, but these are everywhere. These eucatastrophes. And so I'm going to make the the contention that Eowyn defeating the Witch King is a eucatastrophe. Yeah. That is something going wrong in the best way possible. And um and that's and that's something I think that 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 we're supposed to see here is that she should not go to war. She should not go to war. Because that is not proper for for a woman. The great wise Galadriel is a wife and is not the queen. She's not the ruler of the elven people, even though she clearly like, think about this fact, even though she is powerful, fair, wise, she is subordinate. And that is clear. If you read the books, Galadriel is subordinate to her husband, who is the true ruler of Lorien of Lothlorien, even though she is the one who is famous for her fairness and her, her wisdom and her beauty and all that. It is he who is, and she has the ring. And she has the ring. It was right. But she keeps speaking of my Lord, my Lord, who does these things, my Lord, who does these, things. which is why there's a, there's a really funny meme out there of like someone talking about how like, um, man, that just makes you uh, think of how much of a boss her husband is. I can, I'm blanking on his name right now. And I'm, it's really killing me. What's her Kelleborn? name? Caliborn. Caliborn. Yeah. It makes you realize yeah. how, how much of a, of an alpha male he is. If he's able to take this, this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, girl boss warrior woman and turn her into a submissive housewife. Yeah, yeah. Like, what what an alpha right there. Um, but yeah, yeah. I I referred I referred to that as the best kind of CRT. Kelleborn <laughs> rocks theory. Um, <laughs> right, you did. That's great. But but th- but that's worth the rest of the story. And that's why I said like probably should read the rest of the books is because if that's what yeah. you take away from that incident, girl boss Eowyn, then you stopped reading the book at that point. Or you just had no idea what to do with the rest of it. Like the whole, yeah. the whole point of her romance with, um, <laughs> with Faramir is she eventually repents of her adventurousness. And she comes to realize that she, that in fact, she, she starts to realize that so much of her problems has had come from her inability to be satisfied with her station. The whole reason, like, she even comes to realize that she did not actually love Aragorn. She just wanted the idea of him and the idea of the adventure and the, and the high station that he would bring. And, and, and really, that's why she finds um, joy and, and peace and children with Faramir, who is uh, one of the, who, you know, who is another one of the unsung heroes of the books. Like, he is. Um, man, yeah, so great. Um, but, but, but that's where like, again, like that's why crop <laughs> is once again, completely missing the point. And these guys just need to stop pretending that they've read the books. Um, like I'm just, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, can we just pre- stop pretending you that you guys read the books? I, you, you're, you know, you don't get it. You don't understand. You don't care about this. This is not in any way. Um, this is not in any way um, faithful to the vision of J.R.R. Tolkien. 
Like, at, at, you know, and I would appreciate it if they would just admit it. Like, if they just admitted it, I would be like, I would have a little bit more respect for them. Okay, you are just doing fan fiction. That's that's fine. And apparently, five seasons of it. But, uh, but, but like, yeah, it's just Galadriel, Kel, uh, Galadriel was not a, a boss. In fact, I'm going to say, I'm going to put out a challenge there. Can someone find me a text that implies that Galadriel was a warrior? So they will say, they, they will throw out these texts where she fights, but it's with magic. It's, it's, it's not, it's not with, and, and one of them even, I think, explicitly says that the way she is helping in the battle is by healing. Um, uh, I think one of them explicitly says that. So, so yes, she, she fights, but not with a sword, uh, that, that, and, and yeah, and it's because, uh, because Tolkien, despite being a Catholic, knew his Bible. <laughs> and it's a tragedy that Deborah has to lead yes. men into battle. It's a tragedy that Jail has to pick up a tent peg yes. to kill Sisera. That this, it's, it's explicit. It's <laughs> on the men of Israel. It's ex- and that's explicit in the text. Yes. It, 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 she literally says it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, uh, so he, so he knows his scripture well and, and, and he's, and, and he's making, making a world that, that resonates, let's say with the world that God made. So it's not wildly out of, out of tune. I keep using musical type language here, uh, which is very appropriate <laughs> to, uh, to Tolkien and, uh, uh, but, uh, and, and, and his view of creation, but, um, uh, but yeah, there's, it's, it's just so, and there, and I'm, I'm having to hold back because there's a, a big theme that I'm afraid they're getting wrong in TROP, um, that, that, Tolkien would never get wrong um, because it's so clearly matches a biblical theme in his writing. I'm not a, I'm not sure that they're going to get it wrong. They might, they might be getting it right. Um, they, they, it's, it's, it's possible <laughs> that they're getting it right. Um, uh, but uh it's not looking good for them getting it right and and b i don't want to we're we're going to we're going to do uh thanks thanks to the uh the generosity of our viewer let's call it that um, <laughs> we're going to <laughs> uh we're going to be watching it so we'll we'll be able to get into that when we do uh but but anyway it's um 
so yeah, it's definitely it it is it is so obvious that that Tolkien knew his scriptures that he was trying to make a world that was not our world, but that reflects well um the real world, the world that God made. Um, which is why his story works so yes. well. And when you're in fundamental rebellion against the world that God made, when you when you when you think boys can be girls and girls can be boys in in um literal and less literal ways <laughs> um, when you um when you correctly realize that race isn't a thing that race is purely a construct but that when you incorrectly <laughs> um apply that to what people in the same family would look like when when you're just when you're just constantly at war with nature with the world that god made that you cannot you you're you're rebelling against the very boundaries of creation then your story's going to suck this is why woke stories suck it's not it's it's not just because you'd think that out of just pure a thousand chimpanzees on a thousand typewriters <laughs> they they could get one right but the reason they can never get one right is because you can only write good stories to the extent that they reflect god's world and so so sometimes you can write a very good story that comes right up to the edge of reflecting god's world well and then falls apart at the point that it does not reflect god's world well i would take i would take i would take the song of ice and fire as an example of that where it captures original sin and pervasive evil <laughs> it it does it, it 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 zooms in on that and does that well and that's what and and that's where in that context, it creates a world that is believable and works well, but then, um, but then it falls apart at the edges where it doesn't have a a full orbed, <laughs> uh, real world as God made it. Um, and the more your story rebels against the world that God made, um, including by having characters to whom original sin does not does not apply because they're girl bosses um i <laughs> the the more your your story will suck because it can't it can't you you are not going to outright the person who spoke the world into existence <laughs> you cannot you cannot, you cannot self-express in a battle against the one who expressed the world into being. <laughs> um, um, and, and so, anyway, 
I, I've, mm-hmm. I've made my point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, because, because like there's even a fantasy, there's a sense in which fantasy is only believable insofar as it touches on reality. And as they stop believing in reality. Yeah. Everything else starts to fall apart. And, and that's, that's why the argument, this is a world where orcs exist. Why can't you, why can't you deal with a black dwarf princess is like such a stupid argument is, yeah. is, is because it is precisely, <laughs> it is precisely the careful attention to detail and the, and the, and the skill in, in writing the parts of the, of, of the world that do match our world. It is precisely that that makes the story believable and makes yeah. it work. That lets you suspend disbelief to believe sure. that orcs sure. exist. Yeah, and this is why once again, like fantasy, it, classifying Lord of the Rings as fantasy isn't exactly true. Once again, he is attempting to create mythology, and that matters because. When you when you tell mythological stories, when the Greek when you read the Greek mythology, you read of magic and of oracles and of gods and monsters, and yet they are trying to make you believe because they believe themselves that these stories are taking place in the world that we live in. And so while there are these fantastical elements, in the end, the argument is this is still the real world we're talking about. And so it has to eventually touch on reality. It has to come home to land. Um, you know, I've, 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 I've often said that, like, um, the reason why this works for superheroes, that's why girl bosses work in superheroes, but not for medieval-style fantasy, is because in the end, the superhero world is so fantastic that you can believe these things. The problem is Lord of the Rings is too real. It's too grounded in reality, too grounded in actuality for um for wokeness to work. And one and then and once again I'm just going to go ahead and say if stop playing in my sandbox, go get your own. I'm just just it's just you you don't understand it. You don't care about it. You don't love these characters. You don't love Galadriel. All you care about Galadriel is that she's a girl and that she has. That's pretty much it. Like, that's all you care about is that she's a a, a, a recognizable female character that you can turn into your girl boss and stop. So stop messing with my stuff. Get your own. Make your own. Like, this is. Yeah. It's it, none of it makes sense. It's just I'm tired of it. <sighs> I'm once again going to say though, I can watch this show with my kid. We've seen all but one of them. I can watch it with my kids. It's it's it, it, it not that I would, but I could in the sense that, um, it doesn't have maybe in some parts of violence, but it doesn't have. It it doesn't have nudity. It doesn't have um, it, it 
it doesn't have um the it, at least if it if it has cursing it's in other languages um <laughs> it's um it, it's a it, it, so i i did not expect that i thought it was going to be filthy along with along with being so so i'm not saying that saves it from being a desecration of Tolkien, but it's not the kind of desecration of Tolkien that I expected. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, uh, anyway, and, and for that, for that, we can, and I should say at least so far, <laughs> if, if you're listening to this after um after midnight on thursday um uh then uh then uh then maybe i'm wrong by now um but but it's um um at least so far uh we can at least be thankful for that because we certainly thought i mean that was the first thing that alarm bells went off for is we thought we thought you know they hired an intimacy coordinator and we thought that uh, that that meant um, that they were going to desecrate Tolkien in a much worse way. So, um, yeah. Ruining Galadriel is still bad, though. And, and, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and and I think no spoilies, but I think the scene he's referring to here, people freaking out about is just simply nonsensical. It's not, it's not that we don't like it's not like we, that we don't like girls in battle. Um, uh, it's that it's that it was stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, if he's talking so about true. the scene, I think he's talking about. We're all pretending like Underworld never existed. Uh, oh, I know. Tomb Raider yeah. never existed. Uh I never uh, got into Alita, these, but the Resident Evil franchise never existed. Alita Battle Angel made a made roughly a kajillion oh, dollars off of Such a dudes. great movie. I'm <laughs> so mad they haven't made a follow up. They never made a sequel. So even good. even even um Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um like you've got all sorts of movies like that where like Yeah. And and <laughs> We love bat we love Warrior Women. Just don't make them obnoxious. Yeah. It's just, I mean, uh, I, I don't, uh, we don't have time to get to, to the other topics. Do you, is there any of them that you thought were <laughs> oppressing or can we wait for next week? Unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. Oh no, you, you know, we can, um, um, we can, uh, definitely, 
Um, I'm just I'm just thinking through are any of them are any of them just like ridiculously um well okay uh, we we should just we can we can save anything else but we should just mention um school choice coming to a state near you uh Arizona uh finally uh fully implemented their uh uh their education savings account the uh, universal education savings account $7000 um follows the child no ifs ands or buts no um it it doesn't matter doesn't matter what what school the child goes to it doesn't matter i think uh i think you might have to have been in a public school previously i think that might be the only but i'm not even sure about that um uh or no maybe that's what makes it universal maybe it stopped being i think that i think that was what it was before anyway um but but so so that's that's fantastic um that uh that arizona esa has has fully gone into effect the um parents and the teachers unions went head to head and the parents won um so uh fantastic there and then in west virginia they they had expanded their hope scholarship is what they call it it's it's an it's an education savings account also um and um i again i don't remember the eligibility details but they expanded the eligibility and a judge who accepted donations from the teachers unions <laughs> um in her election we'll do elected judges some other time uh but <laughs> but uh a, a judge who accepted donations from the teachers union um struck down the hope scholarship um saying that that because west virginia guarantees public schools in the constitution that this could could potentially because it has the potential of taking money away from public schools in a very roundabout way actually um that um that because you must fund public schools she reads that as you cannot fund anything else which is an insane interpretation thankfully um the appellate judge this week agreed that that was an insane interpretation and the hope scholarship the hope scholarship in west virginia is going into effect um and um expect a lot more of this um yes, i think we mentioned that uh cordy angelis said that iowa expect iowa to be the big the big winner in their next session florida's mm -hmm. next session should be great texas's next session should be great um um there Honestly, are some go ahead go really good school choice candidates running in a lot of places that yeah. want to get this done um it, it's such a political winner and it's hard to understate it's hard to overstate how essential this is for accomplishing our goals in in, in pursuing liberty like oh 
and I should point this out, two Democrat gubernatorial candidates have come out in favor of school choice now. Yeah, I mean... Because they, they have, they have to. to. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't, they're losing their positions. Yeah, but like it's hard to, under, it's hard, hard to overstate how important this is for our push toward liberty because you think about it like, okay, as conservatives and libertarians, which we consider ourselves to be both, um, we are out... Uh, we are out breeding them. That is an absolute truth. Like that is un un I mean, the party of abortion and uh sexual promiscuity is not have and in of environmental catastrophes so don't have any more children. They are not having more children. We are going to outbreed them. Uh <laughs> we are uh we so their only hope is to steal our children and that's why they say you know that's why they're even so bold right. as to say it in, in a cute little choir yes we're coming for your children like they have to that's their only option is to steal our children out from underneath us and so educational choice is i want to say even more essential of a push than even nullification and decentralization because the only way we're going to accomplish nullification and decentralization is if we stop the state schools from telling us you need us in Ottawa and uh, DC. Like unless we can undermine the factory creating good little statists, uh, we're not, we're not going to keep any momentum going on this. And so it's hard to overstate, um, overstate how big of a deal this is. And that's really all I have to say. And yes, Patrick pointed out in the chat. Um, didn't we forget one girl boss? Yes, we did. Evie from Uriel's revenge, which we're going to talk about after this. But first I think it's time we go to uh, our bonus episode. So catch us on the other side of that to hear more of this conversation. Tune into anarchist Bible study episode 80.5. What went wrong here? But now back to the show. Um, uh, so um, this is the part of the show where we would normally say, spoiler alert, we're going to read this book. Um, however, we finished that book. <laughs> we're, do we're done with the book. We finished the book. Um, well, okay. We have one, we have one piece of information that, that is, that is absolutely oh. essential. And, and, Listener Jared points out in our last episode of Uriel's Revenge, where we talk about it being a tree derived from a tree derived from a tree derived from a tree, is that of course makes it a ship of Tresius. And that was very important to, uh, it was very important to lay down there. <laughs> yeah, the, all credit to listener Jared on that one. <laughs> well done. You, that's a well-deserved slow clap. You get it. There you go. Well done, sir. I'm sorry for assuming your gender, but yeah, that's well, well, Jared is not a, a prevalent female name. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I yet, think. uh, you know, we don't want to assume, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, this is the part where we would normally talk about Uriel's revenge, but we finished it. And um, and before that, 
it's the part where we would normally have talked about uh, where we, well, I guess, I guess we put it at the beginning of the episode back then, but where we would have normally uh, talked about curse of the rat King. Yeah. And so we have to pick a new, a new book. Um, and yes, uh, Patrick points out in the chat, um, the signal episode five on Katie rooms channel. Um, Katie room, K A T I E R R R O O M E her YouTube channel. She has the show the the signal that she does weekly ish. Um, I mean, she's been weekly for a little while. Um, I think she'll keep it up. It's a really good show. Um, if you can, uh, I think she, she streams it on Monday nights usually from what I can tell. Um, but, but leaves it up on her channel and it's really good. And her last one, she talked about um, the issue of messages in fiction and particularly um, when it came to Uriel's revenge, um, famed author, David room, uh, husband to Katie room, uh, uh, you know, if you didn't put that together, um, got, actually was on the show Mapper, and was able to talk Mapper about of the star mapper of the stars to us. Remember the stars to us. That's right. Uh, he was able to talk about the subject of sex in Uriel's Revenge. And I thought that was a really uh, interesting conversation. Um, so I thought that was really good. Um, but anyway, we're putting off the, the, what we're getting to, which we're, what we're talking about <laughs> is what is the next book we're going to read? So we're continuing to read fiction because we think fiction is important um, for, for, for understanding the Bible. You need to be able to read books and for just culture and for just for various reasons. Um, and so what we're doing is we're going to go back to the beginning. Not the curse of the rat King, but the watcher's realm. Wow. Uh, Paul Thompson, his second book, the, the watcher's realm. Uh, he, uh, I, we, I grabbed this book way back when it came out, but we were just starting Uriel's revenge. And so obviously we were going to, we had to finish that out. Um, but also book number three, um, has just gone on pre-order. Um, and I just, or I, yeah, Patrick ordered that as well. And I, I did as well. I grabbed a couple copies, one for myself and one for another family in my church who I, I, I've, I've put on to. And, uh, yeah, Paul Thompson was actually on episode. I forget 50 something, to come talk about this book. Um, but already book number three is completed and in pre-order. So I think we can assume that we're probably going to go straight from straight through both books that by the time we get done with book two, uh, we will both have had a chance to grab book three and, um, we're going to read through, through that as well. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're going to starting next week. We're going to start going through Drosselmeyer, the watcher's realm, the book two of, the uh the the Nutcracker trilogy and um episode forty six, thank you. Uh despite yeah. my insults, he 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 does us a solid and uh <laughs> it's episode forty six. That's right. Episode forty six we is what is where that uh where he was on. Um and we are going to we're gonna go straight through. And so right now what I'm doing is I am actually um listening to the to the audible version of uh, curse of the rat king to get caught to remind myself of the story and then we're gonna take off so i've got a week to get that done <laughs> so that's what i'll be doing uh in case you're wondering why i'm not caught up on some of my podcasts um but we are going to get into um the watcher's realm and then finish up with i believe it is the called the something that i forget what the third book is called 
The Nutcracker Trilogy. Oh. Uh. Um, book number three is called... Let me, let me find it. Oh, and of course my internet slows down now. Uh, <laughs> the Dance of the Nutcracker. Book three oh, is The okay. Dance of the Nutcracker. So we're we're gonna go grab that and we're going to um read straight through books two and three. And um and so I and so we hope that you'll come along for us along uh for the ride with us. Um yeah, go go grab the first book, which is well loved in my case, you know, the curse of the rat king. Go grab that first book. And um and yeah, you can grab it on Kindle. Or not Kindle, Audible. Uh, well, you can grab it on Kindle, um, but you can also grab it on Audible. Um, so, uh, and it, yeah, it's only nine hours. So at three times speed, you can get it done on a lunch break. Uh, so you can you can read it uh, or go listen to it really quickly to get caught up with it uh, with us, or you can just go along for the ride with us and, and get caught up along the way. I'm sure we'll recap on the way. Um, but yeah, go go grab the Watcher's Realm, Paul Thompson. You can find it on his website at uh, www.thenutcrackertrilogy.com. Um, he, I, I assume if you look it up, you can also find it on um, on 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 a, like Amazon or or other booksellers. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, th- uh, definitely go to his website, uh, nutcrackertrilogy.com. Paul Thompson's. Um, Curse of the Rat King, The Watcher's Realm, Dance of the Nutcracker, third book. And so um, join us as we take uh, as we travel through this book and we learn more about the world behind the Nutcracker Ballet as interpreted by Paul Thompson. So anything else before we close out this preambling? All right. Yeah. I am I'm eager to actually be caught up this time <laughs> as my copy of uh of of Drosselmeyer did not make it to Canada in time for me to uh right. be able to keep up with Island Camp last time. Uh right. I I'm just going to get the Kindle and and keep up this time. Uh, yeah, so I'm well, eager to actually be able to participate more. That's right. <laughs> Last time it was largely just I decided I wanted to do this. Then it became a group project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You can you can sit here and make puns if you want. It was kind of the uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, we're excited to get into it. Um, we're excited to yeah. You can find Kindle and physical on Amazon for for all three of them minus the pre order, and um, yeah. So I think maybe uh, we should say enough preambling. Let's get to the show. This has been preambling. To hear more, tune into Anarchist Bible Study episode 80. Baptists just do it better. Grace and peace. <laughs>